This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston. I am Terry Cushman flying solo tonight, hanging out with you on your commutes, in your offices, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be with you for the next 20 to 30 minutes or so. Going to break down a lot of the signings that took place in the last insane 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it was. And uh, and then we'll get into some Red Sox topics. Uh, probably ranting on Waka a little bit more and uh, some Devers extension uh, comments as well. So the big signing of the last uh, 24 hours, Max Scherzer gets a record-breaking $43 million a year deal with the New York Mets. That's for over three years, so $130 million overall. It's just getting more and more insane for starting pitching. Uh, there were some big position player contracts uh, that took place that we'll be getting to, but that market seems to be consistent. Pitching market for starters, absolutely insane. So a lot of people were wondering if Scherzer would actually go through with the deal because guys like Rosenthal, Passan, Nightingale, all those big accounts, John Heyman as well, were, were saying that the Mets were in fact the front runners, but the theme of this offseason is that everybody tells the Mets no. Uh, Steven Matz did uh, not even a week ago. As far as GMs, they, they went with their sixth overall pick. So not a lot of people have viewed the Mets as a destination team, but Scherzer ends up going there. There's a little bit of politics, though, in Scherzer's case because he's a union rep. Every team has one uh, across the majors, for example. With the Red Sox, last I knew, Matt Barnes was the union rep that represents Red Sox players. So every team has a player that does, and Scherzer has held that position on various teams and is arguably probably one of the more powerful players in Major League Baseball as far as that goes. So there was a little bit of politics involved because the players' union would have frowned on Scherzer, if he didn't take the highest deal, there, there's this code amongst players that you're typically supposed to take the highest deal. Every now and then, somebody will give their team a kind of a hometown discount type thing. But, but Scherzer did, in fact, go with the highest deal. I don't have any other figures yet as far as the runners up, you know, what the Dodgers may have offered or whoever else was in play for him. But, um, the, the Mets ended up being his landing spot. He will be in the rotation with Jake DeGrom if he doesn't have Tommy John surgery 
by the end of spring training, was shut down last year with elbow issues, so we'll see what goes on uh, with him. But, uh, yeah, so you got two of the best pitchers in baseball at the top of that rotation. Taiwan Walker had a decent year. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, terrible year, but has been typically a good pitcher over the course of his career, so maybe he gets it together. Not a bad rotation there. Another thing, too, uh, that I like to bring up every now and then is Scherzer's, I think, 37 now, probably going to be about 38 by the start of the season. Kurt Schilling was 37 years old when he came to Boston in 2004. So it's it's been done. Like guys have remained an ace, you know, as they they've neared age forty. So and Schilling stayed on through the two thousand and seven season. So he was forty forty one years old throughout that playoff run as well. So not gonna not gonna pull the uh, age card uh, there on Scherzer couple other Mets moves that were interesting. Starling Marte got a four-year, $78 million deal. That is good for $19.5 million per year. What's interesting, though, is he's 33 years old. So that's going to take him through his age 37 season. But arguably, he just had the best season of his career, hit well over 300. Uh, his OBP was up around... Uh, 370 had a 4.7 war not a lot of power uh, from Marte but he's a spark plug uh, in the batter's box always getting on base scores a lot of runs so be interesting to see where the Mets plug him in to the lineup I'm guessing he'll probably end up in the bottom third even though he kind of plays like a, a top of the order guy Another player they signed, Eduardo Escobar, very solid all-around infielder. Has a little bit of pop. He was signed on a very affordable two-year, $20 million deal, so 10 per. Interesting note about the Mets, they still don't have a manager yet because Luis Rojas got fired and then was subsequently signed by the New York Yankees to be the third place coach, uh, third base coach, excuse me, taking over for Phil Nevin. So, yeah, I think Buck Showalter would, would be the perfect manager for the Mets. I, I know a lot of teams like younger guys that are more open to the new trends, but Showalter might still be, and he he has the type of personality that's going to command respect. He used to manage Manny Machado with the Orioles and for the most part kept him in line. There was probably on average one or two controversies a year, but I think he, he would be the right guy to uh, walk into that clubhouse and perhaps get the ship righted if that's even possible in Queens anymore. So, so the Mets very active. The other team that, Made a lot of noise uh, in the last 24, 48 hours. The Texas Rangers signed four players. The most notable of which, Corey Seager, signed just today. A 10-year deal worth $325 million. For a guy who is almost always on the injured list, it seems like. Very seldom ever plays a full season. I don't think he's done it for, I don't know, a few years now. 
but uh, not not a very durable guy. I don't know if he's gonna continue to play shortstop. Perhaps slide over to third. With his lack of durability, could probably uh, be a DH in the latter half of that deal. But kind of sad the Yankees didn't make it because it would have been interesting to see if Seager or Stanton spent the most time on their injured list because it would have been a competition between the two of them every year. Uh, another a big signing, this is the one that I, I don't hate as much as the other three. Marcus Simeon got a seven-year deal worth $175 million. A couple of us were hoping he would end up with the Red Sox, but it was never going to happen on a seven-year deal. Apparently the Mariners were in on him uh, in the uh, range of about five years, but Texas came over the top and overpaid him. He's 31 years old, so that's going to take him through his age 38 season. Big-time overpay for a guy who uh, doesn't hit for super high average. He's like a career 256 guy, uh, roughly a 320 career on base, but he has a lot of pop, and he he's very durable, unlike Corey Seager. So, um, so they're, they're paying for the power. They're paying for the durability. And uh, it could end up being a good deal, but still, in my opinion, an overpay. Their uh, starting pitching acquisition, John Gray, he comes from the Colorado Rockies. Four years, $65 million. That is an absolute trash signing. If the Red Sox signed John Gray, I'd be just as mad as I was about the Michael Walker signing. Just a guy who hasn't been good for the vast majority of his career. He's had one or two good seasons. Very, very inconsistent. Like, if Eduardo Rodriguez frustrated you, John Gray, worse worse than him. And, and uh, you know, I, I was more of an Erod guy anyway. The other uh, trash signing, this is kind of inconsequential. Cole Calhoun, a one-year $5.4 million deal. Strikeout machine. He used to get on base a fair amount uh, considering the strikeouts, but he's 30 four years old, and I don't think he's going to do uh, a whole hell of a lot. Bear with me for one second here. I'm just pulling up the uh, Texas Rangers depth chart. Their rotation is just absolute trash. Like, it's a it's a terrible rotation. Oh, just bear with me. I like the ESPN depth chart. So, John Gray essentially becomes their ace, as bad as he is, so... Off to a bad start there. Then they have Taylor Hearn, who had an ERA in the upper fours. Same as Dane Dunning, ERA in the upper fours. AJ Alexi, I don't even know anything about this guy, but he's their number four starter on the depth chart. So this is a trash rotation, and that's why I hate a lot of these signings because, again, Seager, not durable. Simeon, big-time overpay. If they don't have pitching... None of these signings matter. They're one of the worst teams in baseball. One of the worst front offices in baseball, I should say. They have a bad farm system, as do the Mets, by the way. But at least the Mets are, are a lot better balanced in terms of you know, starting rotation, offense, bullpen, what have you. The Rangers are going to be trash for a long time. I mean, look at the Angels. They have the two 
most talented players in, in Major League Baseball, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. And Otani's on relatively cheap money, but you, you you need to you need to be balanced all the way around. And the Texas Rangers are not that. So I've been getting a ton of heat on social media for for uh, you know trashing them, but so be it. Another big signing took place. I think just today, Robbie Ray. A five-year, $115 million deal with the Seattle Mariners. So they're definitely uh, making a splash, trying to get more competitive against that Houston Astros team that continues to win that division. Ray's deal does include an opt-out after the third year. So be interesting to see if he can carry that success onto the West Coast. That's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, so... He's, uh, he's in a good place. The uh, Mariners rotation, though, kind of a sneaky good rotation. Th- they came on and very nearly could have knocked the Red Sox out of the wild card race. They did kind of fizzle in the last week or so. But um, after Robbie Ray, they have Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, and uh, one of their top prospects, Logan Gilbert. So that has the potential to be a very good rotation. Possibly every bit as good as the Houston Astros rotation. So I think we're going to have a race in the AL West in, uh, in, in 2022. And interestingly as well, I mean, the Red Sox are, hopefully will compete with the wild card. Spoiler alert, I have Toronto winning the division far and away, even with Simeon going to Texas. But uh, that's a team that we're going to constantly be scoreboard watching uh, is the Mets. And speaking of the Blue Jays, uh, just yesterday signed Kevin Gosman, a player I was kind of hoping the Red Sox would target. I know Charlie Smith, uh, one of our co-hosts here on the Bastards of Boston, was also a big proponent of that. Gosman gets a five-year, $110 million deal. That's $22 million. A season. He's going into a very talented rotation as well. Uh, Jose Barrios uh, just signed to a seven-year extension. He's their ace. Uh, then Gosman kind of slots in behind him. Alec Manoa, who's a borderline top of the rotation guy himself, will be their number three. And then Hunjin Ryu, who has been pretty solid over the course of his career, had some injury issues. And uh, but is still probably widely regarded as a uh, middle uh, of the rotation pitcher. So (laughs) I wish the Red Sox were were that solid. But um, so those are the bigger signings of the last 48 hours. Um, I know the Mariners also got uh, traded for Adam Frazier. Uh, to uh, be their middle infielder remains to be seen if they'll continue to be active on the um, the market uh, for middle infielders. Uh, Baez, Javier Baez, for instance, Trevor Story uh, still out there. I'm kind of quietly hoping the Red Sox might kick the tires on Story, but who the hell knows what the Red Sox are, are doing these days? And Speaking of, um, I have a list here of uh, arguably the the 12 best 
free agent pitchers uh, that were available coming into this hot stove season. I'll, I'll read them all off real quick. Eduardo Rodriguez, Justin Verlander, Steven Matz, Anthony Discofani, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Grinke, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman, Robbie Ray, and Alex Wood. Arguably the, the top 12 best uh, free agents out there. Of that list of 12, only three remain. Zach Grinke, probably a big no thank you there. He's uh, upper 30s as well, much like Scherzer, but doesn't quite uh, you know, have the firepower. Clayton Kershaw, not even in his late 30s, but clearly a shell of his former self. Can't stay healthy. And then the, the only other guy available after Grinke and Kershaw is Marcus Stroman who will immediately divide Red Sox Nation. It divides this podcast. I think it's three to two in favor of Stroman. Charlie Smith and I are the anti-Stroman guys on this show, but I just don't want the cry fest that will go along with having him uh, for five years. He'll, he'll get about what Kevin Gosman got I think that five-year, 110 mark is about what you could expect for a guy like Stroman. But I hope the Angels sign him fast. That way the Red Sox don't. We arguably need a lefty anyway. Actually, Carlos Rodon, I don't know why I didn't put him on that list. But he's available, is a lefty. If you think Bloom might make a move, that, that could potentially be a guy. They could also trade for a lefty. We do have a little bit of trade capital, um, you know, thanks to a couple of uh, years filling up the farm. But it, it's tough to know what the mindset of that front office is because when you're going after guys like Michael Waka, you're dumpster diving. That's what you're doing. That's what we did all last winter. That's how you get Martin Perez. That's how you get Garrett Richards. I wasn't a big Hunter Renfro guy. He kind of won me over. But looking ahead to 2022, are you going to get the same offensive production out of Hunter Renfro? I think that's a lot to ask. Same as Kike Hernandez. I think Kike is going to be solid, but wouldn't be shocked if he takes a half a step back. And... Uh, Kyle Schwarber's name is still being kicked around. Red Sox still connected to him. If you don't sign him, you kind of have to replace him. He was a top-of-the-order guy. You could try to do that again with Alex Verdugo. Didn't work out good last year, but but they need to do something. And with the front office of, of the Red Sox being closed as far as communication goes, it's hard to really know what their what their plans are, but players are coming off the board. There's almost no good free agent pitchers available. And if you want to defend the Michael Waka signing, apparently his changeup was his best weapon going down the stretch last year. He abandoned his cutter, apparently, which wasn't a good pitch. But what happens when the league figures out his changeup? Then what? Does he have this Max Scherzer level of savviness to to be able to problem solve that? I, I don't think so. 
There's a reason Michael Walker has sucked every season since 2013. I still can't believe that was the that was the move that Bloom went with to uh, replace Eduardo Rodriguez. I didn't think I was going to be that mad about Rodriguez leaving. I didn't expect him back for much of the season, but as the depth on our farm started to not pan out, I thought the Red Sox probably would start to prioritize Rodriguez. And he's far and away going to have a better season than Michael Walker. He was a Yankee killer, Eduardo Rodriguez. Was a big game guy. You know, when you, when you needed a guy to come through for you late in the season, he typically did that. I just I couldn't be more frustrated with with the Red Sox approach to pitching. We're hoping Chris Sale comes around, but he hasn't been an ace since August of 2018. He had a year of going up and down and then he had the Tommy John and now he's back, but he's up to 80 or 90 pitches by the end of the 4th inning. Can't get guys out, always deep in counts. We're, we're hoping he'll figure it out this year, but this host of this show is not taking anything for granted. Nathan Avaldi coming off of a very high workload season that included much of the month of October. You're going to get 150 innings out of him. We're hoping so, but he never, he never had a season w- with that many innings before. And I think you're asking for a lot for him to get through another season just like that, healthy. And then what's Nick Pavetta? Nobody knows what Nick Pavetta is. He finished off the year great, but he's never done that for a full season. And and then we got Michael Walker, <laughs> you know. So uh, and and probably Tanner Houck as well. But he he's he has a hard time after the second time through the order. I have a lot of concerns about this Red Sox rotation and the lockout is, is tomorrow the 30th. I think, let's see. I think, yeah. So Tuesday's the 30th and then you have the first and second of December. And then at midnight, um, on the second, it's, uh, that's a wrap <laughs> until a contract's negotiated, but between the players union and the owners, it's not expected to, t- within three days, the expectation is it's probably going to take till probably early February to sort through everything, have a deal, and between now and February, it's going to be a roller coaster. There's going to be days where they're saying, oh, the players are going to go on strike, season's not going to start on time, and then you'll probably have moments of optimism where th- things might be progressing, but it's going to be a very unique winter like like we haven't seen since probably the mid-90s when, un- unfortunately, the second half of the 94 season was lost, but, but, but that was during the season. So may- maybe this will be a-, a winter literally like no other, so... One final thing before we go. Why the hell 
haven't the Red Sox signed Rafi Devers to an extension? Why is that not a priority? There is literally no reason to delay that. I think he turns age, uh, let me see. I'm pretty sure he's uh, just turned 25. Pulling it up right now. Normally, my co-hosts would be talking when I do this. So, Devers turned 25 on October 24th. So, next season, essentially his age 25 season. If you're going to lock him up to 12 years, it's better to do it now. So, it only takes him through his age 37 season. If you want to wait the two years of arbitration until he becomes a bona fide free agent... Then a 12-year deal is probably going to take him to his, you know, age 39 season, obviously. And he would be probably more expensive than he would be now. And he's going to be extremely expensive now. Had they, had they signed him last winter, you're probably looking at about 175 to 200 million to, to extend him eight to 10 years. Now you're looking at probably 325 to 375 million. That's what it's going to cost because Bloom had no urgency whatsoever to sign him last season. So either he didn't think Devers was that good, which big mistake there, or he's just not a priority. I'm the most skeptical of all the hosts on this podcast on whether he'll still be here in a few years. I, I I would be uncomfortable right now definitively telling everyone in the audience that, yeah, 100% chance Rafi Devers will be back. I mean, even 80% makes me uncomfortable. Nobody really knows what, what Bloom's going to do, what his priorities are. And, I mean, if Devers is the MVP in, in 2022, I don't think that would shock anybody. Then you're looking at a deal of about probably $400 million. Might even flirt with Trout's number of 420 which is the biggest contract on record. And... Why we're going to let it get that expensive is just absolutely insane to me. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer whenever his career wraps up. He's got David Ortiz type numbers already in the postseason in terms of batting average, on-base percentage, um, OPS. All those numbers are either on par with Poppy or even a little bit better. He still needs to have, you know, maybe a couple of epic walk-offs, but you know what? He's, like I said, 25 years old. Got his whole career still in front of him to, to have these epic moments in October. And if it doesn't happen in a Red Sox uniform, that's a travesty. That is absolutely a travesty. One thing in the back of my mind with Hein Bloom, there might be an obsession to get rid of all of the Dombrowski holdovers. 
I mean, who's left now? You got Sale, Evaldi, a couple guys in the bullpen. You know, Barnes, Brazier, uh, to name a couple. And then in the lineup, you got you got Devers, Rafi, and that's it. He might be obsessed with wanting his own team. I just, I don't get it. I don't get the dumpster diving we're doing to fill out our rotation. Remains to be seen if we're going to still add a, an impact position player, whether that's Schor or Schwarber, a middle infielder. I know Javi Baez is, has been linked to the team. I, I would hate that. But um, if Bloom values defense, Baez is a very good defender. He's a free swinger, which makes him a high strikeout guy in the batter's box. He doesn't walk a lot. Career 307 on base percentage. That's if <laughs> that's pretty bad. I mean, if you were frustrated with Bobby Dahlbeck in the first half, then yeah, uh, you know that that's the type uh, you're you're looking at with Bias. So, um, so it remains to be seen. But looking at what Toronto's done, the Tampa Bay Rays. Probably going to win 90-something games. Two pitchers we've never heard of are probably going to become studs next year, whether that's in their rotation or in their bullpen. I know they did just lose one of their relievers to, to Tommy John. I forget his name already. Pitched some innings against us, though, in the last uh, couple months. So I'm frustrated. I'm only speaking for myself. Not, not all my co-hosts uh, necessarily feel the same way, but... We'll be back on probably Thursday night, I think. Is that the second? The the night of December 2nd. So let's, uh, let's call it that. And then the next morning we'll have a show ready for your AM commute. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope everybody's staying warm. If you're in New England, it is getting cold. I am moving to South Carolina in about four weeks, so... I will forever be escaping it and uh, moving to a warmer climate, but definitely getting cold. Hope everybody had a good holiday as we approach the next major holiday. So we will see you in a few days. Take care.